the walls of Jericho. And I just wanted to finish that today. I believe there's something that's profoundly important for us as his people as we look at this verse. I, uh, as I said last Sunday, there is a certain amount of uncertainty in the world today. Um, uncertain things are happening uh, politically uh, in our nation. Uh, with this uncertainty, isn't there? Uh, you see, when we vote for our next um, parliament or next prime minister, um, the last couple of votes have been so close, 50-50. People are not quite sure which way to go. Um, and uh, sometimes I think we just want we just want honesty, don't we? And we and we pray we need to pray for our politicians that they'll uphold integrity. But there can be uncertainty in political circles. There's certainly an uncertainty in moral standards at the moment. Would you agree? Our nation is facing. Um, are you there this morning? Yep. Um, our nation is facing a moral uncertainty. Are we going to be having? Uh, you know, are we going to be voting? You know, in the sense of. Uh, embracing same-sex marriage, or are we not? Um, you know, they're saying at the moment, the polls are saying that 30% of people in Australia are just are going to vote no. That is just a definite. Never, they're never, no matter what anybody says, they're, they're voting no because they believe what they believe. 30% of the, they're saying of people are going to vote yes, no matter what ads come up on television or saying yes or no, they're going to vote yes. And you know, 40% they're saying at the moment are going to give maybe a soft yes. In other words, they're really not sure. They're, they're a little bit confused about the whole thing and what they should do. And so um, uh, the reality is there's an uncertainty, isn't there, morally? We're at a crossroads in our nation at the moment about what we, this nation is going to embrace and not embrace in regards to our sexuality. There's an uncertainty as uh, people, uh, uh, you know, uh, today as we uh, face the reality that uh, we hear a lot of media reports at the moment about one nation, um, you know, kind of um, having a, a go at another nation, and then America has a go at North Korea, and North Korea has a, it's a bit of posturing, isn't it? It's like, it's back and forwards, and you know, and some of us have thought, I mean, if they get, at, if they start to have a war, is everybody going to be involved? And our Prime Minister is uh, certainly committed himself to be involved if anything happens. And so there's an uncertainty in those areas. There's also an uncertainty. Um, you know, America and the Bahamas just had the biggest um, um, hurricane they've ever had in their history. Well, known history, recorded history. There's an uncertainty in weather patterns, isn't there? Um, so I don't say that to start out in a negative way, but I just say that to, to bring the reality of what you know already is that in this world there's an uncertainty. But I'm glad Jesus is in this world you'll have trouble, but that's okay because in me you'll have peace. Isn't that uncertainty? In our God we can have something far greater than what the world offers. Otherwise we wouldn't be here this morning. Is that right? So... Um, I want to just continue what we started last week. And it, as we go to Joshua chapter 6 in a moment, and we read this passage, or here it is here, but read it, grab your Bibles, whatever you've got there of your own. I won't just read it yet, but there, is a, there, there was a time of uncertainty in Israel's uh, circumstances and situations they were facing. The story goes that they'd spent 40 years wandering through the desert. And in that 40 years, uh, God had looked after them. But they were very familiar with desert life. Very familiar with how God provided for their food and their water and their protection. And their, you know, he provided for them. 40 years of doing the same thing every day. 
40 years. That's a familiar pattern. Now, God says, now I'm going to take you into the promised land that we always promised for you. And so they cross the Jordan River, and the very first thing they face is this massive city, an ancient city called Jericho. And of course, it's a city that has a massive wall around it. And God says, um, I'm giving, he says to Joshua in Joshua chapter um, 5 and 6, he says, I'm giving you the city. So it's already a done deal in a sense. But the reality is, is that God enlists his people. You know, God gives you a promise, but who knows, you've got to be obedient to follow it through and see the promise fulfilled. Isn't that true? You know, we can, we can say, well, sit back and just let, well, God's going to do it. No, no, no. He, he invests, he, he wants you to be involved. You know, the food isn't going to jump off the plate into your mouth. You've got to pick it up with a fork. Is that right? So there's obedience and there's things you've got to do. So God says to Joshua and the people of Israel, I've got a plan for you. You, you've been wandering for 40 years. It's a very familiar pattern. Now you're moving into an unfamiliar thing. There's an uncertainty about what you're going into. There's one thing certain, but my promises are true, and I'll go with you. That's the certainty. So that's positive. That's powerful. And so we see they go from uh, the wilderness experience to the promised land. But before they get into the promised land, they've got this city that they've got to take. They've got to bring it down. And uh, that wasn't an easy feat. It was like the biggest of the cities, and yet they had to do it. Very, the very first city they had to take was the big one, the big dude. Knock him down, and it'll be a, you'll move into the promised land and take the others. So let's read this passage in Joshua chapter 6, Old Testament book, uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua. Here we go. Now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. So they're scared. <laughs> the people in Jericho were scared of the Israelites because they'd heard how God had done miraculous things. But they, you know. So none came out, none came in. And the Lord said to Joshua, see, I've given Jericho into your hands. It's king and the mighty men of valor. You shall march around the city, all you men of war. You shall go all around the city once. This you shall do how many days? Six days. And seven, and seven priests shall bear seven trumpets of ram's horns before the ark. But the seventh day you shall march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass when they make a loud blast of the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city will fall down flat, and the people shall go up, every man straight before him into that city, and they'll take the city. Um, this, uh, this wall, as most of us would be aware, but let me tell you again, it was so big and so thick that chariots would run around the top. This is a big wall. This is not just a, a, the garden fence variety type wall. This is massive. This is pretty big. And so to, for it to come down flat would be an incredible miracle, incredible working of God. But there was something that, as I said, God wanted the children of Israel to be involved in, in obedience and doing something, and that was marching around the walls for six days. And if you read in verse 10, if we read further on, you see that, that God, Joshua said to the people, as you march around the city once for six days, just march around it, get up in the morning, march once, go home. Do it again for six days. He says, those six days, don't open your mouth. Be totally quiet. Be, don't say a thing. Just march then on the seventh day, march six times, don't say a word, and then on the seventh time, shout together and you watch what God will do. So if you've got the picture, interesting strategy, uh, interesting strategy to bring down a city. So this morning, let me tell you three things about the victory at your wall, because we all face walls, don't we? 
We all face times in life when it's difficult or circumstances that are not easy and situations that we could say, this um, is definitely something I wasn't thinking about or thinking I was going to have to face in life or, or a sudden things happened, a sudden sickness, a sudden financial pressure, a sudden loss of job, a sudden issue that comes your way, a, a breakdown in relationship with someone that you care for, um, uh, you know, something happens at work that you wish didn't happen. I, I don't know. There's a myriad of things, people uh, that you're not quite, uh, you, you know, there's differences of opinions, there's circumstances happen. There's a myriad of things that can happen. And we all face sometimes those difficulties and those wall experiences that we wish we just didn't have to face. Um, sometimes they're, they're wall experiences that we didn't necessarily bring on ourselves. Sometimes they are. Uh, but whatever it is, uh, we often will face the realities of um, something that comes upon our life. And so um, God wants to just, I want to encourage you this morning. How do we see victory at your wall? Well, here's the very first thing that I just want you to know. Because it was such a supernatural thing that happened as they marched around on the seventh, they shouted, God brought down the wall. They didn't touch the wall. They didn't knock it down. It, the wall came down by its own. It was a supernatural work in obedience to the, the, the people of Israel as they did what God said. How did this happen? There was a supernatural thing. There's a supernatural thing involved for us to do as well. I want to tell you what that supernatural thing is. The first thing about victory at your wall is you need to have a shout of praise regardless of the season or the circumstance you find yourself in. That You've got to have a shout of praise regardless of the circumstance or the situation you find yourself in. Because you know what? It's easy to shout for your team when it's winning. It's more difficult to stand on the sideline of a football field or a basketball field or a netball court and scream out for your team when they're not winning. Who understands what I'm saying? Okay. Um, anybody else? It's easy, but when, when they're not winning, it's a bit more difficult. It's easy to give praise when things are going well. It's easy, but you know, it takes a real effort when things are not going well. It takes a commitment to give praise when things aren't going well. That's why in the Bible, sometimes it's called a sacrifice of praise. That's it. It's a sacrifice of praise. Now, we can give praise other times, but sometimes a sacrifice can take a real effort. And you know, you know why it's a sacrifice of praise? Because the, you've got to sacrifice something to give praise. Do you know what you have to sacrifice to give to give praise when you're in a difficult circumstance? The feelings of discouragement and the feelings of, uh, this is not going well, and all the feelings that say, I'm going, this is going really bad. But you've got to sacrifice those things and say, I'm going to give praise anyway. That's what I find I have to sacrifice. All the attitudes and the feelings of, hmm. In actual fact, I find my best praise is often done in the most difficult circumstances of life. I've discovered my best praise happens then. Because when everything's going well, my team's winning. Ah, brilliant. It's not a sacrifice, it's just praise. And that's good, but when they're not doing well and I'm still standing there praising God, now that's a sacrifice. Sometimes through gritted teeth, God, I just praise you anyway. I lift my head anyway and praise you. Oh, come on. My best praise. Because sometimes it's just devastating. Sometimes in life, life doesn't go well. There's a guy called Paul and there's another guy called Silas. They were two friends and they found themselves... 
testifying of Jesus Christ one day. And because of the testimony and because of what happened, in that they delivered this young girl from a series of demons. And the people who owned this girl and were making money out of her because she was like a witch or a you know, she'd um, tell people's fortunes and Paul and Silas come along, a deliverer of these demons. The people who owned this girl got upset and they finally got Paul and Silas thrown in jail. In, in X, you can read it in Acts chapter 16. And so Paul and Silas are, are not just in jail, they're in the inner jail and they've got, their, they've got their feet and hands possibly, it says in stocks. One of them was, maybe both sets of limbs were in stocks and they're in a dirty Roman jail. And then it says in verse 25 of Acts 16, at midnight... At midnight, at the most difficult time, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the prisoners were all listening to them. Who knows, midnight is probably about the darkest moment in that day. Isn't that right? It was probably about the darkest moment in Paul and Silas's life. They're living with an enormous wall over their head. They're living, they're living with, a, they're not quite sure, there's an uncertain future. They know they can trust God, but there's an uncertain future. They don't know if tomorrow they're going to be executed or released or just left in the prison. They don't know any of this stuff they're not quite sure and you know it's interesting they began to sing songs and praises to who to God they began to sing and praise to God it's interesting because in Josh chapter 6 verse 10 remember what I said Joshua said to the children as you march around the wall there's a time when you march around that wall where you got to keep completely quiet I don't want you to say a word. Do you know why I believe that Joshua said to the children of Israel, keep quiet? It's because for 40 years, folks, they'd continued to murmur. They'd continued to uh, grumble in the desert. And as the more they grumbled and the more and more people died in the desert, and the new generation was the ones who only went into the promised land. I think Joshua's saying, you've grumbled for 40 years. Don't say a word now. Because the tendency will be as you walk around this wall... You'll say, Fan, look at this wall far out. It's so big. How are we ever going to take it? As you walk around the wall, all the thoughts of negativity will flow. All the, you'll have those thoughts, but don't speak it out. How powerful is our tongue? Because there's life and death in the power of your tongue, it says. And so as they, Joshua and you, you've spent 40 years murmuring, you don't need to do it anymore. Not when we're about to take this city. So keep quiet. Stop texting. Facebooking, Instagramming, stop all that stuff. It's not going to help you one bit. You don't have to tell everybody about your problem. Don't murmur. Don't rubbish. People, leave it alone. There's nothing wrong with Facebook, Instagram, or text in the right context. You know, stop murmuring, stop grumbling, stop all the stuff you're doing, stop gossiping, and just keep quiet because when you go around this wall, there'll be a time when you've got to shout, but it's not now. you just got to keep quiet. And if I find in my life, if the wall comes in looming really big, Sometimes I just want to, you know, ah, I want to tell everybody else. Maybe you don't have to tell everybody else. You just need to tell God. (laughs) Say, Father, give it to you. And so we see um, Paul and Silas, they're not murmuring at the jail. They're not going far out. Man, we just helped this young girl. We delivered her, and look what they do. Unjust. This is so. This is this is so bad. We're gonna. I'm gonna write a letter to the mayor about this. This is not on. I can't. Why should they do that to us? Put us in jail for doing something good. This is disgusting. You know, where's my rights? Where's my rights? I don't deserve this, and this jail stinks. And now they put my feet in stocks. And you know, all this is, and they haven't fed us, and it's terrible, and they weren't 
doing that, were they? They weren't murmuring at the jail. They weren't murmuring at the wall. What they were doing was praising at the wall the God that could be the certain thing in their life. They were, I love the fact that the, the trouble is sometimes, see, we don't give the opportunity sometimes to God to intervene in our life. And it's an interesting thing because, it, you know, when they did praise God, what happened? If you read the story in Acts 16, comes, it says the Bible says there was an earthquake. And all the doors flung open and the chains fell off. Wow, if that happened, I'd be pretty impressed. But it all came as I began to praise. And you know, sometimes we think the chains fell off and the, well, the doors opened so that Paul and Silas could get out. It wasn't the, folks, the doors didn't open so Paul and Silas could get out. It was so that God could get in. Because when you praise our God, he wants to break into your life. Nothing will stop God breaking into your life when you lift your voice and praise. Nothing will stop break him breaking him, him into your life. He, he, he wants to come in. He wants to work in your heart. He wants to do something amazing. And praise attracts God. It, it, he is attracted to the per, people who praise him. And he says, you yeah, man, I can break into that circumstance and work it out. I can do something amazing there. And the trouble is we don't give him the opportunity sometimes because we don't give him the praise. It was midnight. Um, it couldn't have got better. It couldn't have got worse, I mean. But Paul and Silas weren't wall murmurers. They were, they were praisers in the midst of that situation. And when they could, well, you know, and the truth is what happened was as the doors opened, the jailer, the guy who looked after the jail came in and was so, wow, blown away. He got Paul and Silas and he says, what must I do to be saved? And him and his family came to the Lord Jesus Christ, became Christians that night. And he took Paul and Silas and he, he bathed their wounds and binged them. And he fed them a hot meal. And Paul and Silas stayed in the jail. See, they weren't trying to get out. They stayed in the jail till the next morning until they were released the next morning. But it's interesting, isn't it? It would have been easy for them to praise God at the end, you know? Well, praise God. Our wounds are bandaged and washed. Our stomachs are full. Now we can, uh, you know, God's done an amazing thing. The doors, are, the jail gates are open. And they would have had to give God praise. You know, it's easy, but we need to give God praise, not just at the end of the circumstance, but we need to give God praise at the beginning and the middle of the challenge as well. You know, because it's easy in the springtime of life when everything's developing and growing and bursting forth. But how about in the wintertime of life when it's not going so good? How do we go then giving God praise then when everything's dying and everything's gray and it just doesn't, it's raining and it's, it's not good. It's easy to give God praise on your best day but what about giving God praise on your worst day? Are you okay? It's a lifestyle that we live of praise and worship. Did you know that? Sunday morning is not just the, it's a very short time in your life when we come and praise and worship God. Do you know that tomorrow morning you can get up and you can have a heart of praise and worship to Him again in the week after that, in the week after, it's a lifestyle. Do you know sometimes our walls are always trying to, trying to close in on us, but you know, as we live a lifestyle of praise, those walls will start to be, we can start to see that it's not so much getting upset with the walls, it's starting to live within the midst of it and live victorious in the midst of sometimes what we face. Hmm. Praise is the best wall-destroying, attitude-rectifying, mood-altering, mind-changing, thought-encouraging, and body-blessing activity that you'll engage in today, tomorrow, next week, and for all your life. David, King David, before he was a king, he was a refugee. 
And for 10 years, he was chased from pillar to post by a crazy father-in-law. Talk about father-in-law being an outlaw, not just an in-law. He wanted him dead. And for 10 years, David existed from cave to cave, um, relied on other people to feed him. It was a difficult time, and yet he became the king of Israel. Greatest, one of the greatest kings that the world has ever known in history, and yet for 10 years. Folks, he wasn't just having a bad day. David was having a bad decade. It was a bad decade. He didn't, he didn't know whether his next breath would be his last. And so he'd get up every morning, and, and he knew he had to face another day where he'd have to maybe find another location to live because he was being chased by his crazy, not just his father-in-law, but a whole army of people, of men that Saul had chasing him. And you know, in the midst of that difficult time, um, there's a psalm that David wrote, and he said this in Psalm 34, verse 1, I will bless the Lord at all times in his praise shall sometimes continually be in my mouth. He was, a, he was a man that is struggling every day and yet he says, you know what? I found the lifestyle that, you know, my problem isn't gone, but, you know, it's not in my heart. It's just around me because I continually praise my God. The wall isn't in here. The wall is out there. That's fine. But as long as, you know, it's okay if the wall's out there, but don't let the wall get on the inside of you. It'll destroy you. Praise. Lifting our voice and praising. Now you might say, I'm not a natural kind of shouter or praiser. That's okay. But you know, maybe you just need to do it. Go and find, go and find a paddock somewhere by yourself and just let it rip. Go and wind up the windows in your car and just start to praise God anyway. And as you pull up at the stop sign, don't worry about what the people are doing beside you. They might be really, what is wrong with that guy in that car? You just give him praise. So folks, we've got to overcome sometimes our, our, our personalities. Say, well, I'm not really a praiser. Well, you know what? You've got to become a praiser because God wants to break through in your life. He wants to break through. Lift your voice. Here's the second thing about the things that if we're going to have victory at our wall. You know what I've discovered? We need to have a shout of praise together. Did you notice Joshua says, he commands, it says, the people, lift your voice. It just wasn't one person. Joshua didn't say, let's just sit the singers praise. Let's just let, let the people who are in tune praise. Let's just let the people who, who are really good at singing praise. And the rest of you, just mime. Okay? Just mime. You know, he didn't say that. He said, all the people, when it was time to shout, all the people shouted. All the people, and it was powerful, and it was effective, because when people come together in unity and declare God's praises, something has to shift, I tell you, and often it's not, it's the enemy has to shift something. That's why I'm so excited about Tuesday nights when we come and pray, and we come and praise together. Something is happening in our nation as we pray and praise. I know it. God is doing something. He promises. He promises, and as we praise. I was at... Uh, you know, um, on Friday night, I watched uh, Broncos, you know, the rugby league side beat, um, who did they beat? Who was it? <laughs> who? Panthers. Panthers, thank you. It was the Panthers. See, I didn't even know there was another team on the field. I was so busy praising, <laughs> shouting for Broncos. But you know what? I'm sitting there, and, and, and the truth is, my mum, my mum, my wife, <laughs> she's not my mum. <laughs> I'm thinking of my mum because I've got to go and see her this week. Um, but my wife doesn't, doesn't necessarily, she'll come and watch the end or the finish of it. She enjoys the victory. I sit there consistent. I sit there the whole time praising and shouting my team. So I'm a, I'm a stalwart. So I sit there. But you know what? I'm doing it by myself. 
just me. You know, I've sat in Suncorp Stadium, Brisbane, the third state of origin several years ago with some good friends and Michelle and uh, my family. And 52,000 and 50 of those, 50,000 of them were Queenslanders. And when they lift their voice and shout, folks, you can't help but get involved. There is a, such a roar. 50, have you ever heard 50,000 people yell Queenslander at the top of their lungs? I tell you, there's power in the shout when we do it together. We've got to, and, there's, and there's an opportunity. We've got to do it together. Our prayer meeting is an opportunity to do it together. There's power when people, Acts chapter 2, when the 120 were in the upper room waiting for the Holy Spirit and God to do something, it says they're in one place, in one accord, with one desire, and one voice, and one passion, and the Holy Spirit fell, and the church, early church, was birthed. Do you know why? Because they shouted together and lifted their voice together. There's power in that. There's power in it. When I was at that Suncorp Stadium two or three years ago, how long ago was it, John? Two, three, doesn't matter. Yep. And we had, I bought seats right, and we, unfortunately we got last minute seats, not really, but they were right up the back anyway. They were the nosebleed height, Suncorp Stadium. And so we're sitting right up the back, and in front of us was a group of people, and, um, and there was this one young man, one young man, I've got to tell you about this one young guy, I don't know, 16, 17 years of age, he was inspirational. He was just amazing. And he was Down syndrome. Now, whether that he had no inhibitions, because that I don't, I don't care, but I tell you what, he inspired me that night. Every time Queensland got a try, he would stand up and he would yell something and shout, yes, or Queensland. Then he'd turn around to all of us and he'd go, yeah, and we'd just automatically go, yeah. <laughs> he affected the whole section at Suncorp Stadium. Why? Because his enthusiasm to shout and declare the victory was contagious. And I want to tell you, sometimes we talk, the Word of God says, the garments of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You know, you come in here, I come in here the other Sunday, about three Sundays ago, and I was thinking of this and thinking of that, and I just kind of possibly for a moment left the old garment of praise at home, but the worship leader decided to give us, come on, let's praise God. And all of a sudden, I'm jolted into reality. And I thought, oh, she's got her garment of praise, or I need to get it on as well and so I threw off the spirit of heaviness pants and put on the garment of praise and man I was into it and I was focused and then when I went when I went back to all the things I had to think about and issues that were nowhere near as big as what it were before the service amazing that isn't it it was all because I decided to shout you know folks do you want to get your shout back go and find someone who's already shouting Praise God. Third thing. Third thing about not only, uh, not only uh, do we uh, need to give him um, praise in all seasons, whether good or bad, not only do we need to do it together, but here's the third thing, and I'll finish with this this morning. Realize when you give a shout of praise, it's always from a place of victory. From a place of victory. See, Joshua said to, God said to Joshua, I have given you this city. Sometimes we forget that God gives us the promises of God. He gives us the promise. He'd already said, the victory is yours, Josh. I just want you to be obedient to the plan. I just want you to walk around the city. I want you to do what I tell you to do. Sometimes we can get overwhelmed by the issue. The walls of life seem too big. Someone doesn't like you. I ate too much again and blew my diet. My car broke down. My you know, 
uh, something happened, um, uh, we get a little bit overwhelmed. They're all important things that we get overwhelmed in life. I understand that. I can get overwhelmed in life sometimes. Do you know why it can get a little overwhelming? Because we have forgotten something that we're actually on the winning team. You're on the win- if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you're on the winning team. Would you agree? You're on the winning team. Come on. Stop listening to the devil. He's on the losing team. That's why he's whispering to you. Don't whisper back to him. He doesn't deserve it. Just continue to praise Keep your focus. Jesus Christ, when he died on a cross and rose again for us, he, 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 you know what happened there? He won, and so did we. Anyone believes in the Lord Jesus Christ also is on the winning team. See, even on the cross, Jesus gave out a shout. Do you know what he shouted? He said, it is finished. And when he declared it is finished, he was declaring over every person present there that day and everybody in the future that you can when you come to God you can repent and your sins can be forgiven and the guilt and shame will fall off and you can walk in victory and not in condemnation he says you're I'm winning today I'm winning as I die because death does not look like winning death looks like losing but in actual fact death for Jesus meant winning for us and so we're on the winning side folks so the reality is, when he said it's finished, all humanity had an opportunity then to know the victory is sealed in the deal. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, the war may be won, but we just still face our battles, don't we? And we still face our walls. But you know what? It's, but we need to realize he made a way where there's no other way, and it's through Jesus Christ. It's through Jesus Christ. Can we stand today? Have the issues of life just wore you down a little bit today? Just the walls? Do the walls look too big? Unsurmountable, impossible. Well, you know what? God is a way for us today. It's really simple. It's just lifting our voice and giving Him praise. It's giving Him honor. It's giving Him glory. It's not about us. It's not about this church. It's about Him. It's about focusing on something far bigger than ourselves and saying, God, I thank you and praise you. Because it's easy to praise Him at the end when the victory is won. But how about we praise Him at the beginning and in the middle? Sometimes we can forget that the victory is ours already because Jesus has won it for us. And sometimes we forget the importance of just joining with others and giving a shout together. And finding someone to shout with and to proclaim with. So this morning... I want us just to sing a song of praise as we close our service today. And I want us to declare His praises. And I want you to do something powerful. I want you to lift your voice and just praise Him. Don't do it unto me, to this church, but just lift your voice to pray. If you want to lift your hands and praise Him, do it. Sometimes we need a breakthrough. Just to, Maybe you need to lift your feet and say, I praise you anyway, God, and I'll dance before you. But praise is powerful. Get a bit of movement and say, Father, I give you that. Thank you for the victory. Come on. I think we know this song.